delegates don't necessarily pick the candidates that are in the mainstream of Utah's, uh, you know, sort of political center, or at least they don't represent the people that they're supposed to be representing. Good Tuesday morning and welcome to The Daily Buzz. I'm your host, Jeff Parrott. Joining me on the podcast is columnist and longtime politics reporter, Robert Gerke. Robert, thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here. So Utah's primary elections are over. Uh, you and I and the rest of the team have reported on the winners and losers of that race. But this week, you had a column that explains why maybe Utah's election system could use an overhaul. First, how do candidates get on Utah's ballots? And why is our system this way? Well, so there's right now there's two ways to get on the ballot. Traditionally, the way that they got on the ballot was they would go through the county convention or the, the political convention process, either at the county level or at the state level. And the delegates who are chosen at neighborhood caucuses would choose which candidate they want. If, if no candidate got over 60 percent, the top two vote getters would go to the primary. And uh, that's that's the way it was done for years and years. Uh, then uh, about 10 years ago, Count My Vote pushed this effort to try to get uh, a signature gathering path so its candidates could just collect a set number of signatures and skip the convention process, or they can do both. You know, if they want to go to the convention, they can do that and get the signatures. It's just more of a choice. But what they did is sort of create this other pathway to the ballot. And that didn't make the parties happy, particularly the Republican Party, which sued over it, but it was upheld in court. Uh, and so for, for the last several election cycles, we've had this, uh, we've had this dual pathway to the ballot. This signature process, these are the door knockers that Utahns might be familiar with, right? Yeah, they'll come up to you at the grocery store when you're, you know, knock on your door or something like that. And, uh, you know, the, the, the idea is, is it by creating this other pathway, uh, it, it opens up the process to more candidates. There were concerns that were expressed that I think had merit at the time that uh, that the delegates don't necessarily pick the candidates that are in the mainstream of Utah's, uh, you know, sort of political center, or at least they don't represent the people that they're supposed to be representing. And there have been studies that show that the the interests that the delegates have are sort of out of step with mainstream Utahns, and uh, that it, it's also statistically has been discriminatory toward women. There are, are many more men who are involved in this delegate process than there are women. Um, and so, you know, there was just like, let's, let's, the thinking was, let's just have another way to get on the ballot that, that kind of uh, avoids those, uh, avoids those issues. You, you mentioned that the delegates might be out of step from like the average Utah voter um, that doesn't get any more apparent than, I guess, the general election, right? Yeah, I mean, what what we saw in uh, in the past, for example, um, when Gary Herbert had a challenger and Jonathan Johnson at the 2016 state convention, Johnson beat him at the convention, uh, and Herbert survived and went on to the primary and then trounced Jonathan Johnson. We saw the same thing happen when Mitt Romney first ran for Senate. Uh, Michael Kennedy, a state representative, uh, got more of the vote than Romney did. Uh, both of them advanced to, to, to the primary and Romney had gathered signatures, but, uh, but the, the, the primary election that year wasn't close. And we've seen it happen again and again 
uh, in in the case of John Curtis. And the, the first time John Curtis ran, he finished fifth at the convention. But because he gathered signatures, he advanced to the primary ballot and and beat Chris Herod badly. And again, we saw that happen this past cycle, uh, just this just this year. Uh, Chris Herod and John John Curtis had another uh, another showdown. And again, Curtis won it handily. And so you just gotta look at this pattern where the Republican primary voters are not choosing the same people that the delegates are. And you, you, there are many reasons why, but it also points to a serious weakness, a serious flaw in the process. And, uh, and, and one that I think probably should be fixed. How would the Utah electorate or how would Utah lawmakers go about making that fix? And what should that fix be? Well, so can my vote is it says they want to work with lawmakers in the upcoming session to try to lower the signature thresholds. And the thinking behind that is then it doesn't cost nearly as much money to gather these signatures. Uh, it makes it a lot more accessible for the average candidate and, and sort of makes the entire convention process an afterthought. It, it becomes a lot less relevant if it's easier to get on the ballot through the signature gathering. And, and you know, the, the hope from their vantage point is that legislators will work with them on this. Um, if they don't, they've again discussed the uh, possibility of trying to run a ballot initiative uh, that would be presumably in the 2024 uh, cycle um, to to change it entirely. So, uh, you know, there's there's this is something that's been discussed for a long time. It goes back to an issue when the court ruled. One of the things that they ruled on is they said that uh, to sign a petition, you have to be eligible to vote in that primary. And what that means is in, in the case of the Republican primaries, uh, you have to be a registered Republican to vote. So only registered Republicans could sign the petitions. When they set the thresholds for these petitions, they didn't take that into account. They didn't think that that was going to be a necessity. And so it's a lot harder in some instances for Republican candidates to gather the required signatures because they can't gather them from any registered voter. Interesting. And is that the case for Democrats in the state as well? No, well, it is the case that they have to be able to vote in the primary, but all that means is you have to be a registered voter because Democrats have open primaries. The Republicans, like I said, they, they, they close their primaries. You have to be registered with the party to vote in that primary. Therefore, you have to be registered as a Republican to sign a, sign, a, sign a petition for a Republican candidate. There are some allegations that there are, you know, like folks in the state that might lean Democrat that vote. Republican and registers Republican so they can vote in primaries and vote in the general election for mm -hmm. a candidate that is maybe more likely to win. Do you think if that allegation one is true, would that drive some of these signature count signature candidates more to the center as opposed to the, the right where the delegates seem to be? You know, I don't think we've seen uh, that crossover voting happen in big enough numbers to make a significant difference. Um, so, yes, if you were a Democrat who registered Republican and wanted to sign a Republican uh, petition, you could do that. But I, I, I just think it's it's happened in such minor, uh, such small numbers that it's it, it really isn't a serious concern or consideration or shouldn't be, at least. Now, I could say that, the, the, you know, the the Republicans who oppose this signature path uh, argue that the delegates spend a lot more time and effort and energy meeting with the candidates, researching the issues, 
they're sort of like they're sort of like the 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 politics geeks, the guy in your fantasy football league who spends all all off season long following it, right? So these are the guys who are re- really invested in it, and I think there's some merit to that. Um, I think these people are very invested in it, but they're when it comes to deciding who they're going to vote for, they don't necessarily reflect the views of the people that are, that are supposed to be represented by the process. And that and that ultimately is the goal is to have a process that produces uh, elected officials who most accurately represent the constituents they're supposed to represent. So uh, there's there's a little bit of a breakdown there. There's also a criticism of this system that says, well, this will this will make it more expensive. Uh, which will favor the incumbents. Um, and, and there probably is some merit to that as well, frankly. Um, but, you know, it, at the end of the day, we can kind of see what system produces the best results and which one doesn't. Utah's a little bit of an anomaly in still having this convention process at all. Um, and, I, and I think that with the other options that we have available now and with the track record, we've seen that it's, it's time to make the change. So let's say I am a Utah Republican and I've been in the state for a couple of years and I am one of those Politico dorks and I'm the guy on your fantasy football team that knows everything about the candidates. How do I become a delegate if that's something I want to do? What Just to remind folks. Yeah, it's the, the delegate process is usually pretty simple. You show up at your neighborhood caucus night. Um, and you sometimes, depending on how they do it, how many candidates they have, you might have to make a little speech and talk about who you're going to support or how you're going to base your decision. Part of the problem, though, is, is that if you can't show up on that Tuesday night caucus, you're out of luck. You know, if you have a job or if you're a single parent or you have a soccer practice or, you know, you're you're on a mission for the LDS church, for example, you are are not allowed to do that. And so there's an argument uh, from the signature gathering proponents that it disenfranchises those individuals as well. Robert, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Yep, happy to do it. And that's it for today. I'd like to give a shout out to Danny Rubio for producing today's Daily Buzz podcast. And as always, thank you to Salt Lake City's own The Pelicans for our music. We'll be back tomorrow. <laughs>